Welcome to Pastors with Pourovers, conversations about coffee and the Christian faith. My name is Cody. And my name is Kyle. And we have coffee. We do, as always. It's our thing. I finally got Hearth in Hinterland because I got it in the mail from Cody. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Just so that our friends at Hearth in Hinterland know that I finally got some. (laughs) They were sending it for both of us and Cody's the only one who had it yet. I've been having, what? When I went to the post office to send it, I was like, huh, I've never sent a package before. And I walked in, I was like, do you print the slip? And she's just like so annoyed. She's like, you should bring your own slip. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, you know, I'm almost 30 years old and I've never sent a package before. Like, I didn't know what to do. And she's like, oh, were you doing a great job? that's the point. (laughs) Good job. Good job, little boy. You did it. Thanks. I thought the point of the post office was you could just bring stuff to them and be like. She just, she made me feel so bad. That's so funny. I've always just gone in there and then uh, if I have the package already like packed, Mm -hmm. I just need the label. You have to write it down there, obviously, but yeah, that's so funny. But anyways, it did get to me. Um, I've only tried the Papua New Guinea so far. That's my favorite. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like it. It's really good. What are your Um, guests at tasting notes? I don't know. I'm so bad at like, like if I get given a tasting note and then I, I drink, I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can mm. get that. But you, to just make it up, let me try. I would say like, I think there's a, a mild like stone fruit. Okay. That's, you know, like uh, when, that's hmm? the one I'd said, I thought like maybe a cantaloupe or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Like a, like a peach or that's stone fruit, right? <laughs> Whenever I've seen stone fruit on a bag, that's what I think of as like peach or something. When so you're a coffee, oh, what's the, like a pl- nut plum. I don't know. You're a Anyways. coffee expert, but know nothing about fruit. So you still yeah. can't <laughs> do tasting notes. It, t- it tastes like the coffees I've had with stone fruits. So, mm. um, yeah, it's no, I, I really like it because they, one of the cool things about them again is that they um, you can choose your roast level, which I really I think is really cool. But then they do so their beans are would you say ethically sourced? Yeah, and they're like all single origin, right? Single origin, ethically sourced. Yeah, which is like a lot of people read that kind of stuff and they're like, oh, you're just trying to be trendy or whatever. But it's mm. actually like a a really important thing when it comes to coffee. Um, we yeah we don't have to get into it, but. A lot of the the huge coffee producers, like uh, at Tim Hortons or Starbucks, they're not super concerned about ethically sourcing. Mm. They're just trying to get as much as they as they can get. So, yeah, I know I really like it. And Papua New Guinea, I've never had from there before, so that's cool. Yeah. I am. What did drink- uh, What did you get? I'm drinking. This is less exciting. Um, I'm drinking the Holiday Filter from 49th Parallel, who. Uh, we are familiar with because we used to peddle their products. Um, <laughs> Peddlers for them. Yes, it is. I don't know if it's a blend. No, it's a single origin. Direct trade. It's in like the darkest gray ever. I believe it was a Guatemala. I can't read it in my video lights. But yeah. Uh, tasting notes are chocolate cake, dried berries, and syrupy. I definitely get dried berries. I never get chocolate. Anytime a coffee says chocolate, I'm like, yeah, no. Tastes like coffee. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah i think that's generally just like a neutral tasting mm. note that you can say for coffee so is it actually good or is it like a gimmick that like come get it it's the holidays it's all right like it's definitely like i'm sure if it wasn't the holidays they would have just said you know single origin guatemala with these tasting notes um, that's what they do i think the idea of holiday filters like they try to brand it to look Christmassy, but it's not like it's Christmas flavors. It's just whatever crop is available <laughs> around this time of year is what becomes the holiday coffee. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's pretty good. I have, I'm really excited next week. I'm going to try one that was just given as a gift. Um, actually I should probably let it, uh, air and stuff. Cause it's, it's really fresh, but one of the, it has uh, an aromatic note. It's lists as blueberry, and when I sniff it, I'm like, wow, I swear there's blueberries in it, but then I'm like, roommates wow. sniff this, so it smells like coffee. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm a nerd, but <laughs> I'm excited for it. That should be interesting, and I'm excited to hear all about it. Yeah. Well, you know what else we're excited about? The 1689 yeah, getting back to it. We are still in... Oh, what chapter, chapter three, chapter three. It's funny because I don't read it from the confession. I copy into my notes, but I always forget to copy chapter and paragraph number. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're on chapter three, paragraph two. We're probably going to hit paragraphs two and three. Um, yeah, we're, we're slowing, slowing our roll through this because we want to be able to get into all the the deep nuggets and all the, the stuff that there is to discuss. And we also want to keep our episodes under an hour. Um, yes, but this is good. This is a good one. This is good stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll read the, I'll read the first paragraph here. You can get the next one. Okay. Right. It says, although God knoweth whatsoever may or can come to pass upon all supposed conditions, Yet hath he not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or as that which would come to pass upon such conditions. Quick and easy paragraph yeah. here, right? Not too much in there. It's really Only. the old English that gets you, but yeah, it's yeah. He can, he can see into the future though. He can see all things. He doesn't base his decisions on what he sees in the future. Yeah, we're you're really talking about like in two things, two things in this paragraph are his his knowledge and then how he acts upon it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think generally speaking, whenever like I when I read this and I thought about this topic, I thought about like shows or movies that, you know, um, that's so Raven. Have you did you watch that as a kid? No. Okay. Well, for all of you who did, this will be a treat. But basically the premise of the show is that this girl um can gaze into the future what? and so every episode she gets like a vision and uh and then like she sees something happening like her friend um is at lunch and slips on a banana peel and all her food comes off her tray and it like gets all over this really popular person or something like that i don't know so th the whole premise of the show is that she sees into the future and then the rest of that episode is her trying to like make sure it doesn't happen or like is mm -hmm. acting based on that and changing things. And, uh, it, it usually, I'm pretty sure like every time it ended up happening anyways, but the whole point is like, she can see into the future. 
And when she sees something happening that she thinks is wrong, she tries to change it. That's that's so intense. I thought it was just like another Hannah Montana or something. But no, it's a Disney Channel show, but it's uh it's so much more well nice. Hannah Montana is like peak Disney Channel though. So <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that's a that is a good example of yeah, her her vision of the future influenced her actions. Mm-hmm. But and I put the I wrote I put this in our shared note here with a question mark because maybe you'll you'll correct my my wording a little bit here. But I think it's basically nothing if nothing happens that he did not ordain, nothing that happens can influences can influence what he ordains, right? Because if he's yeah. already ordaining, uh he's he's causing all things to come about to come to pass then the things he's causing aren't influencing him it's a very um complicated doctrine to think about Mm -hmm. which is why i think it's so difficult to word like that because he's we we believe and we know that god ordains everything um but oftentimes we were talking about this before we hit record, but like oftentimes we think that certain decisions we make are potentially will mess up God's plan. Mm. So, um, so we think that if we, um, the, the example I gave you was like people talking about the one, like finding the one to marry, to marry and everything. Mm-hmm. They feel like they have to find the one and it puts a lot of stress on them. Um, but like personally, I don't really, believe that's the thing i think the one is the one that is your wife like Mm. there you go um but like other decisions even like you're looking to buy a car and it's like oh should i get the nissan sentra or the Mm -hmm. nissan altima and we're like stressing out because we want to like act within god's will and not cause a chain reaction or anything um and i think personally at the end of the day god gives us those decisions and it's like have the ultimate or the centra, but nothing's outside of his his scope of knowledge. Like he yeah. knows that you'll choose the ultimate or whatever. And at the same time, he's not or he hasn't ordained things to happen because you chose that ultimate. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I know Cody's going to choose this ultima in November of 2022, and it's going to be a gray one. Therefore, I am going to ordain that this happens. Yeah, I think. Yeah, to sort of to, to riff on that, um, one thing that I've always, I love speaking on the topic of like seeking God's direction, hearing from God, especially because uh, people who have been listening to for a while know that I went, I have a bit of a charismatic background. I went to a charismatic Bible college and came out of it reformed. Um, but in that I was like, well, we always want a word from God. We want God to be like, go to this school, marry this woman, buy this car. Um, But we need to start with what we know for a fact he's already told us. Because I think of an example that a lot of people can use as like fear is um, Abraham. When he was like, shoot, what was his servant's name? He he was supposed to have a child. He was told he was going to have a child. And he's like, oh, no way. My wife's giving me a child, so I'm going to sleep with this other lady. And, uh, and chain reaction, messed up, ultimately all within God's will and plan and to his glory. 
But what he did wrong was that God told him, <laughs> you're going to have a child with your wife. And he's mm-hmm. like, nah. Whereas yeah. if, we're, if we're thinking about the things he has told us, so I'm like, okay, which car do I buy? And like somehow, you know, it's like, well, this Nissan Altima, if you buy it, it uh, helps fund like drug dealers then maybe don't buy that one. Like you can allow the things he has clearly said to influence your decisions towards living in a way that's pleasing to him. But like, you're not going to be like, Oh man, I was going to be able to lead somebody to know Lord, the Lord, but I bought a Nissan Altima. So Mm -hmm. now that we've done a Nissan Altima commercial, um, we or, or anti-commercial. <laughs> I've never owned an Ultima, so I don't even know if they're good. Yeah, I've never owned a Nissan. <laughs> but um, one of the things that you mentioned you wanted to talk about is this whole idea of how he, even though he has ordained things to happen, he does respond and interact with us like in time. Like this is why mm-hmm. this this is so difficult because we're talking about God who's like outside outside of time, and yet he's he's working within our time which is just like mind-boggling to think about um mm-hmm. but he does actually respond and interact with us in time yeah i think um one example that i've heard brought up a couple times and that i've, I've given like a lot of thought recently because last time someone brought it up it was in like a q a session at a young adults thing and i was super put on the spot but we see the example in uh, exodus 32 where where God's like, I'm going to destroy Israel. I'm so mad. Forget Israel. They're done. And Moses is petitioning him and he's like, no, no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> think of your glory. And it, which is the, like smart. It's actually, I think a lot of it is it's a model for how we petition God. But uh, mm-hmm. it seems that God's like, okay, I concede Moses. I'm changing my mind. And it's sort of, there's a question well, like, well, can we change God's mind? And, uh, and I think that's a, a valid question because it, it does seem that way. But th- this comes back to something we talked about. I think it was just last episode that God doesn't uh, forego secondary causes, that he still wants to, to use things. He still wants to have a relationship with us. He still wants to, to work things out in a certain way. So it's like, yeah, he, he planned to have Moses petition him and he planned to respond to that by sparing Israel. Like, like he, it's like he, he plans to have his mind changed. It's a type of thing, which I think we do stuff like that. There are times, I don't know if maybe uh, I'm alone in this, but there are times where I'm like, huh, I I have this decision. I'm leaning towards this option. I'm going to go ask a bunch of people and I really, what it is, I want someone to change my mind. I want someone to talk me out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's a, like an imperfect example because we're, we don't have the, like the wisdom and the foreknowledge of God, but I think that's not a, a totally foreign concept that he would for the sake of relationship, for the sake of development, for the sake of his word and having that in there as an example to us that he would plan to have this interaction where he's like, hey, look at this just wrath this is what israel deserves and then a a model of intercession which is ultimately foreshadowing jesus and how he intercedes for us with the father that we deserve to just be wiped out and jesus is going no 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 
come on, think of your glory, God. Let's, we're saving this one. I've chosen him. I've called him. I love him, which again, probably <laughs> poor wording, but you get the well, it's gist. All, it's all saying like God acts through his people and he acts mm-hmm. through the prayers of his people. Like when we pray, God actually responds and listens and acts. Like um, another example of that would be that Jesus says, um, look at the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Um, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. Mm-hmm. And so like in that one, you're, you, you're sitting there and it's like, okay, well, Jesus sees that there's a lot of people who need to be saved and, and come to him and need the gospel. And yet he's telling us to pray to God to send laborers so that they can receive the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's going to happen. Like people are going to get saved. People are going to hear the gospel and, and be saved. And yet Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send out laborers. And so we're work, we're living within that. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for us to comprehend, but it's, uh, it's, it's the way in which God has revealed himself and how he, and how he works as well. When you, you're getting to the point there of how this uh, relates and, and corresponds with, with salvation, how his foreknowledge is like, we, we often try to like separate like God's election and God's decree and sovereignty in this area. And then salvation, we like to treat them as very separate things, but the same stands. His election isn't based on his foreknowledge of who would respond. And that is, uh, there's like actually a pretty widely held view that that's that's kind of an anti-calvinist view because elections in the bible you have to accept that you have to work it out so the kind of a common non-calvinist understanding is well he elects based on his foreknowledge of who would respond well to being elect mm-hmm. but and what and that at one point in my life sounded really reasonable and i can respect people who believe that for this reason but i think where it falls apart is that that really is just salvation by works with with extra steps that's still god foresees what you will do or would potentially do and then saves you and then that's still really you doing something that ultimately brings about your salvation which is Mm -hmm. i mean it's all throughout we've we've talked about it a lot but you know ephesians 2 8 9 for grace you have been saved through faith and it is not your your own doing; it is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Yeah, and there's um, I, I honestly I think that comes down to like a lot of people are trying to find a logical way to explain election, in, and also in a way in which it's more palatable to people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, if we know God's all knowing and we know he knows everything that's going to happen and, and ordains everything that happens. Okay. So then what if God chooses us because we, he knows we're going to choose him. Mm -hmm. And, and so that sounds a lot better because then it puts us back in the driver's seat again. Um, but you know, we, to give two words that people can look up later if they want monergism and synergism. Um, we believe in a monergistic, view of uh salvation where mono meaning one single there's one worker in that which is god and god brings about salvation but that view of like god 
kind of looking down the corridors of time and seeing, oh, Cody is going to make a decision to follow me. Therefore, I elect him mm. is more of a synergistic view, which means that two people, you know, two or more people are working towards this thing happening, um, which in this case is salvation, um, which is more palatable for us because once again, like it's all in our hands then. Um, mm. And God's kind of just like, responding to what what we do but that's not how the bible lays it out it says god's work of salvation is his work alone right by mm. grace you have been saved through faith not not your own doing yeah and i think that we can move on to the to the next paragraph with that because really the the implication there is well safe so for monergism and, and synergism like the the metaphor i hear all the time is is monergism is uh, you're, you're drowning in the water, or if you want to go really like full Calvinist, you're dead in the water, <laughs> you're floating there. And God reaches out and he grabs you and he pulls you out and he resuscitates you, gives you new life. Whereas synergism is you're flailing, you're drowning, God reaches out his hand and then it's, it's offered to you, but you have to reach out and grab it. And then you play that, that role. Mm-hmm. And we're just saying that that reaching out and grabbing in in our understanding of scripture is it would be a work it would be you saving We're yourself not capable of doing it yeah yeah it's not not in the cards and there are people that disagree and it's okay we still love you even though you're wrong <laughs> um you're so arrogant <laughs> on that note i'll read the next paragraph okay <laughs> paragraph three <laughs> By the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestinated or or foreordained to eternal life through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace. Others being left to act in their sin to their just condemnation to the praise of his glorious justice. Mm. So a few things that um, are really interesting here is it talks about those who are... um, predestined or foreordained to eternal life and then those uh, and the wording once again is really important are being left to act in their sin that's super Um, precise wording yeah which we'll get into the the nuances here but um basically um what this this paragraph is saying is if he has decided who he is saving he has also decided who he is passing over Mm -hmm. um the the kind of the perhaps trigger word uh, that comes up is people talk about um, double predestination. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, a term that is, it's, it's used by haters, I guess. Like usually if you hear someone be like, Oh, I don't believe in double predestination, but there's a, a clip I saw of like a Q and a with, with I believe it was with RC Sproul where someone's like, do you believe in double predestination? He's like, well, the thing is if you believe in predestination, you believe in double predestination um, because if he's choosing who he's saving, he's in, he's choosing to not save others. Like he's not being, if he's not being prevented, then he's making a decision. And, and the mm-hmm. nuance here that's cool is basically pointing out that it's not like, uh, like to, to quote a man who probably shouldn't be quoted. It's not duck, duck, damned. It's not like, that one, like, I'm going to make sure that everything goes wrong. 
and you never stand a chance and you do all the wrong things and, and you go to hell, but that they're being left up or mm-hmm. left to their, to their sin and to the just condemnation. Cause that is our, our natural state. If he doesn't intervene, we just sin. Yeah. There's a great article by R.C. Sproul as well that I'll put in the show notes um, called Double Predestination. It's doubles in quotes. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the nuances of the views on it. It's quite long, so like it'll take your time to read it and everything. But he says in there, God shows mercy sovereignly and unconditionally to some and gives justice to those passed over in election. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have this, uh, we'll give you scripture for it as well. We won't just quote someone, uh, Romans nine, 14 through 18. Um, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part by no means for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose, I've raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. And mm-hmm. this, these verses and this, again, I mean, we've talked about Romans nine recently in our, uh, in these podcasts, but like Romans nine is a difficult chapter to, to come to terms with. It's, it's a really hard doctrine to think about. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills. Mm. And he hardens me ever he wills. And the the importance and the and the nuance in the paragraph is that God has intervened and and predestined and brought to life those who he has saved and those who are his elect. But he's also left to act in their sin, right? He's left them to act in their sin. So once again, God is not causing sin or or making us sin in any way, but he is leaving us to act in our sin. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the nuance that we have to have with this. So he shows mercy to to some and whoever he wills, and then to others, um, they receive his, as R.C. Sproul says, and as the, the confession says, um, his justice. Yeah, just so that, I mean, we quote a lot from, from Romans 9, but we also see like Jude 4 uh, is speaking about the, the church or the body it says for certain people have crept in unnoticed, meaning into the, the, the bodies unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master. And he's, he's just saying there are people who are not the elect. There are people who are clearly in this designation of have been passed over, have been given up. And that, yeah, like you said, this is a really difficult doctrine to wrestle with and it's something that people there people have exegetical arguments and theological arguments and and we can have those discussions and we can respect each other uh, and in that like like my joking aside (laughs) uh, like we do respect those people that are brothers but we we don't have the option as believers we can't just dismiss things we don't like we can't just ignore hard truths because they're hard yeah. And I, especially at a chapter with Ro- like Romans nine, it's so difficult to figure that out because really what we're trying to figure out is the mind of God mm. and how God acts, who, which is just outside of our, um, our, our abilities really. And so we're taking what he has revealed to us and, and figuring it out and, and working through it. Um, but when it comes to this, you know, whether you want to call it double predestination or whatever, 
Um, the reality is that, and what the confession is saying as well, is that nobody deserves the gift of salvation. Mm. Um, that he chooses to show mercy to some and to show his grace to us in saving us. And then others, again, I'll, I'll stress the word again, being left to act in their sin, mm. doing what they desire to do, which is, which is sin against God. Um, we're, we're not condemned because of anything God has done, um, but because of our own rebellion. Like it's yeah. in this doctrine, you know, you can call it double predestination or whatever. Often that's, that's said to be like he predestines some to be saved and shows grace to them. And then he predestines others to sin. And that's not what it's, that's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what the confession saying at all. Um, we're not condemned because God is causing us to sin. Um, but it's our own rebellion. And that's something that's incredibly important for us to understand in, in this um, th- in, in this conversation. I think, and this is something that one of the things that really makes me passionate about ministry and about the, this podcast and these teaching ministries, especially when we're talking to people who have grown up in the, in the churches, I've often heard this argument like, how could a good God send good people to hell? How is that just? But good people don't go to hell. Like you don't go to hell for not believing. Like it, the, you could get kind of nuancy and argue like about it, but like there are demons who believe in God. They're like, it's not a matter of, oh, you're good, but you didn't believe the right thing. It's sinners go to hell. Sinners experience the, the, ju- the just wrath they experience the consequence of our rebellion against God. And we're all sinners. God and his holiness and his justice, he has to punish sin. And we, we've talked about before, like, we really, we want that. Like, when it comes to us, we're like, oh, no, that's not loving. But when a sin, when something's been committed against you, you want justice. And for someone to say, no, justice is going to be carried out feels like an, another assault. It feels unloving. Like we, we realize that for God to be just and holy and loving, he needs to carry out justice. Like, and justice for sinners is condemnation. But God in his mercy has chosen to take that punishment. Not that he's, he's not get punishing the sin, but he's taking it on himself. And the one thing that stood out to me is we, we say some a lot. And I think, uh, especially in some of the like Calvinist reformed, like boy band, like bros, we, we act like a super small exclusive group, but, uh, you know, John in, in revelation, he, he sees this vision where it's a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, all peoples and languages. The, the elect is a, huge like an innumerable group mm-hmm. yeah and that's really that's the, i think that that kind of thinking can get lost in these conversations like we can give you all these definitions and we can read these really detailed um confessions of faith but at the end of the day um that's what it's all about is people coming to Christ. So we have like two definitions we had here just to make it even clearer. And then we'll get on to some more, um, the, the kind of practical side of this, but like election is the decision of God to save some by giving a free gift of unmerited grace. That's what election is. Um, we didn't deserve it and he gave it to us. And then mm-hmm. reprobation 
is the decision of God to withhold grace from some instead allowing them to experience the punishment due to their sin. At the end of the day, we're the ones who are, who are the sinners and we deserve the punishment for that. Mm. And God is just in, in all that, that he does. And it is pure grace that he even saves some. And like you said, the multitude from every tribe, tongue, uh, people mm-hmm. and nation. Um, so all this comes down to, you know, we've, we've kind of gotten into it already, but what's, what's the point of a doctrine like this? Why does this matter? Why does a paragraph like this, why should we hold on to this? I think, yeah, one of the huge things of any time we talk about predestination and election, uh, and we really like to push against the idea that people who believe this are like grumpy and hateful because the reality is, think about it, you didn't earn God's love. You didn't. And in fact, we're arguing that, that it sounds harsh, that we're even less worthy and less lovable than we realize that that our sin is so grievous that we really didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to, to earn it, but God loves us anyways. And because we didn't earn that love, we can't lose it. We can rest in his mercy and his grace. We can rest in how loved we are by him. And, and you don't have to be shamed into obedience. And I think that's something that that's a real like freeing thing about understanding these doctrines is it's not like you better hope here you're going to hell in that. Like, I think we accidentally communicate that often to children. Like I I remember like having that defined thought as a child and I'm sure my parents weren't saying it. It's just what I came to understand. But the the reality is if we're obeying, it's out of reverence and love Mm -hmm. because we want to please him because we love him, not because we're risking losing his love or because we're risking being, being cut off. And if you don't feel that, if you don't feel reverence and love, you're, you're not feeling like pulled towards obedience, pulled towards trying to be like our good father, um, then we'd point you towards the the means of grace, which we've done some episodes on poor audio quality, but that's just, you know, um, exploring God's word, praying, talking to him, you know, community with believers, even like listening to sermons. I don't know. Are we, are we a means of grace? (laughs) We teach the Bible. (laughs) putting us in a in a high position there it's calling us a means of grace (laughs) it's our new t-shirt pastors with pour overs Um, a means of of grace grace. maybe (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know how i'm going to transition this but our final final (laughs) bit of application is um we worship god not only for his love and grace but also his holiness and and his justice Mm. um that's what this whole conversation about god's salvation and predestination should bring us to is that god has shown us incredible love and grace and we often like properly and, and rightly focus on that as a as a means of worship for him Look at any worship song written in the past 10 10 years. It's all about his love and his grace, but also for his holiness and his justice. Um, Mm. And and to understand that he truly is holy, and yet he still saved us, but also for his justice in that he won't allow sin to go unpunished. We see the cries in our culture today for this need for justice, and um, what we will say over and over again is that 
men and women will get it wrong time and time again. Sometimes it, it shines through and there is true justice, but sometimes we, we get it wrong because of our sinfulness and, and the, the world that we live in. But we can trust in God that he will be perfectly just and he doesn't mm. get it wrong. He never gets it wrong. And so election and reprobation are both revelations of, of his glory. And we need to remember that and worship God because of that. I'm just, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to think of songs that I've sang in like church or any worship context recently that celebrate like God's justice. Only there, a holy God by city of light. Nice. There you go. There you go. There's not a lot. <laughs> it's true. But when they come, they are, are glorious. Nice. Well, if we do our outro really quick, we're under 40 minutes. So let's go. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Join our discord for free. Talk about this stuff. We would actually, I'll, I'll pause for a second. Join our discord because like the conversation like this can happen more in long form through something mm. like that. So definitely join our discord for free. Um, if you want to support us on Patreon, go ahead and do it. If you don't, Go ahead and don't. And you can also follow us on Instagram where we post our coffee recommendations as well as uh, clips from our episodes as well. So you can um, hang out with us on there as well. Continue to use social media for good, right? Yeah. Not, for, not for evil and doom scrolling. Have some positivity in your feeds. We'll see you next week. Bye.